We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, uh, joined today by Ben Wade, Michael Collin and Norman Riley on the line on Skype. And we're here to talk to you about Newcastle's 2-2 draw with Bournemouth yesterday. Uh, myself and Norman were there. I've just got back to sunny Seton Delaville. Um, and uh, yeah, there's much to talk about regarding the result, losing the lead, the subs, the tactics, the context of the results. So we're going to jump straight in. Uh, Norman, I'll start with you since you were there. Uh, first of all, did you have a good day? Do you have a good day down Bournemouth? Brilliant. It was an absolutely brilliant day. Um, I, the, the weather was perfect. Um, there were some really good people, and I just, uh, just excellent. And getting the train back like a few hours after kickoff as well, that which meant that we got an extra little bit of time in. And Bournemouth was sound, and and um, like the Bournemouth fans that we got talking to, I think, like on the way down on the train, um, outside the ground after the match in the pub later on, they were just dead, dead sound. Um, I saw a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant place. I'm uh, looking forward to going back next season. Hi. Um, right, well then, let, let, we may as well jump straight into it. Uh, good point for you? Um, I mean, uh, I, I, like, I, I said this yesterday after the match, I mean, I, I was I was kind of reinforcing my opinion of it yesterday just because I felt so devastated that the, the fact we lost the two-goal lead. Context, the point where Bournemouth, yes. However, being tuned up so close to full time as well, um, and and obviously there was massive, massive chances that um, Perez and Shelby had to put the game to bed. Being missed, just it, it was so it's so hard to take. And I've only just been able to bring myself to watch the highlights um, prior to recording this pod. Um, Shelby's chance was massive, but you've got to give Aki a credit. That was, I mean, that was absolutely phenomenal. Him getting back there because, um, yeah, it was just a really, really kind of good, brave bit of defending. Um, but still, yeah, I mean, we know Shelby sort of sort of scored. As should um, as should uh, Perez have scored as well. That was, I mean, that was you know that was just a complete lack of composure, which would have had a three 0 That was game over, and we were on so much control for I would say up until about the sort of sixty fifth minute, um, and. He just made a really good decision bringing Smith on for Daniels. Um, it was just an, it was an excellent bit of work by her, and obviously that that was a window back into it. And the other thing was Shelby's head. Shelby's head dropped after that chance. It really seemed to affect him missing that chance. And um, you know, obviously, the, well, well, I'm sure the lads will talk about it. But you know, the the the, the Bournemouth equaliser, I think in particular, um, Shelby like just basically disappeared. Um, so I a point. Two weeks down the line, it'll be you know you look back and think right you know what that was a great result. It wasn't a defeat. It kept this really good run going in the two defeats in ten. But obviously now twenty four kind of almost twenty four hours after the match, I'm still I'm still hurting at the fact we lost the two goal lead. Of course. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what the scenes were like, like at half time, 
in the kind of like that last that last ten minutes before half time and half time were, were I think it was Bolland who called it. That was a, a vision of what Newcastle fans could be like. It, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, I, I, I love that stadium. I like small stadiums like that. For like, you know, not, not all the time, but that small stadium where you're kind of... Just <laughs> you belong in the, the championship, mate. The <laughs> ben said you belong in the championship. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, though. Like the, the fact that the kind of fans, the away fans, are like, you're, you're, you're on top of each other. And it just created a brilliant atmosphere. And like the, the scenes... Like when the goals went in, I mean, you know, obviously we're going mad when we celebrate, but that like, I don't know, it just felt it felt like one of the like most important goals ever scored. Just by by the way, people were bouncing around each other. You know, there was just this kind of outpouring of emotion. And obviously, as um, Bolland said, at half time when people were drinking, there was just like the, the the pure merriment and like the the noise. It was just it was it was absolutely phenomenal. He's right, it is. It is. I mean, put it this way: if if we ever won a cup, like you know, and the celebrations afterwards, there would be. I genuinely feel like that fear for people's lives. I think there'd be like a, a, just a massive, a massive heart attacks because the joy would like destroy people. It's it was absolutely phenomenal. Ah, uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good memory. That's the memory I'll take away from it, mate. There you go. Yeah, um, John Peters has written his first match report for True Faith. I'd recommend everyone check it out. I'll put it in the link to this podcast. Um, he said the same thing that the celebrations for for goal two are are life threatening, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, I'll disagree with you a little bit, Norman. I, I, I didn't like the ground. I had a great day, but Bye. number number one, I'm now I'm now partially blind because I had the searing sun, like going direct in my eyes for ninety eight minutes, whatever we played. Because the sun was so high, and Bournemouth Stadium is so low, there was no for ninety minutes. And it, when you look at the the highlights of the second half, the stadium looks like it's in shade, and it is apart from our stand. <laughs> so that was brutal. And it was just kind of frustrating. There's no disrespect to Bournemouth. I think, you know, knowing me and you are both fans of, of Eddie Howe and, and Bournemouth as a team in terms of how they play the game. Um, however, that wasn't a pun. However, um, I, just, I, just think, I just think it's a tin pot stadium and it's like they don't sell out every week. And, and the Bournemouth fans that you met, fair enough, and they were all sound, but that's all, that's all there is. And it's just frustrating to, it's kind of envy from our part that they've got the likes of Jermaine Defoe coming on on 140 grand a week. Um, and we've got very little to, to offer in terms of that kind of quality from the bench and I think that showed in the end and we're, I'm going to come into it in a, in a minute or two but substitution wise if you look at the players forget about the negatives forget about the positives forget about how the, how the game was good look at the players he was able to bring on uh, compared to us and that's kind of a little bit that one of the points I think people are missing but yeah Bournemouth it, it, it's one of those weird grounds where I went, I went to Yeovil Luton last season and that experience at Yeovil Luton with like 5,000 people more people there is way more relevant to the Bournemouth experience than, say, watching a game at Newcastle because there's no noise, there's no buzz around the ground. You're kind of in a housing area. You can't see... All you can see is the floodlights. You, you can only see... You don't see the ground until you get to the ground. And it's just quiet and small and there's no atmosphere. And the Bournemouth fans perked up a bit at the end but and they've got a drum. But it's just the least intimidating place to go. So fair play to Bournemouth that they do manage to win so many points at home. But... Um, was it was it, for me that's not Premier League football, but you know it's still a good day. I, I enjoyed Bournemouth as a as a town. Me and Norman had um, well Norman, t- talk talk to the listeners about the taxi driver having the way at the ground. Oh my goodness me! <laughs> um, I mean this taxi driver, he was so full of just absolute shit that <laughs> I, I ended I ended up recording eleven minutes of I would say a conversation, but it wasn't conversation. It was just. It was just his kind of inner 
monologue of absolute horseshit. Um, <laughs> I, I don't like rugby. I don't like football. I don't like rugby. But I did play professionally for Saracens. Well, no, I mean, it didn't. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm quoting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting like as exactly how he said it, right? Um, you know that has come down here and you call us all southern poofs. But some of the lads down here. And this is niche shit, yeah. Some of the lads doing, yeah, I've got I've got it all recorded. Work out twice record a day. Roman did record boys, it. You know? And then and then he said, um, what was it? He made he made a comment about um Charlotte being um, you know, not um, pretty clever for a for a northern bird, I think he said that. I think that there is words. Um I just I, like an absolute just just an absolutely incredible human being. Like you're just thinking, mate, how how have you managed to like make a living in this job without like somebody just killing you basically but um there you go if, if anyone's ever interested in the recording I'm, I'm happy to share it it was absolutely spectacular <laughs> back to the football that's a very um very accurate description of what happened there from Norman because I was in the taxi um back to the football though I mean moving on to the game and how it went I mean I'll bring I'll bring some of the other lads in before I talk about my stuff Ben you know that how how did you take in the game? Was it kind of just through Soccer Saturday or was it through Radio uh, Newcastle? I had a various mix of stuff. So the rugby was on at, this, um, at, at the same time. So I was watching that. I had me sort of phone, just following it on uh, like Twitter, just on um, BBC and me sports app sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it was just to, to, to be tuned up uh, was ridiculous. I, I did not expect that. I thought it would be a very tight game. I mean, we obviously were at the, the home game where it was... There was nothing in it really until the last five minutes when they nicked one. And it, I I was sort of expecting something similar. I thought we'd be very very tight and and obviously, um I mean having seen the goals as well. I mean they look like some absolute chockers from from the keeper Begovic, um so I I was just in a bit of disbelief and and obviously you look at you start you, you try to avoid it but I start looking at the table and we're, we're ahead of them and we're tenth and you start looking looking ahead a bit uh, a bit and just it for. For sort of an hour or so on Saturday, it was it was an unbelievable position to be in, and and, and everything was looking rosy. But uh, unfortunately, it all uh, it all came crashing down. I mean, I think the, the, the when they scored, it was you, you knew we were going to be in for a, a, a very sort of tough last uh, sort of ten ten minutes plus whatever, um, and it was just a case of whether whether the lads could hold on. Mick, um, your thoughts? I mean, obviously, you'd have seen we go two 0 up. And then, did you? Was it related to you about how much in control we were of that game? I mean, I I had the misfortune of following the game via stream for most of the first half, and um, and then on the radio. So it was awful. It's an awful way to uh, take in the match. But it'll be Ben's birthday and Shemuladers. So I, mean, it, it, <laughs> I hope you were sat with her with like yeah. Your little radio, like just ignoring her all for the rest of that. I'm here. That's all you get then. <laughs> yeah. Um, in spirit. So yeah. I, I mean, it, it it did come across that we were in control. Obviously, the goals I think were quite fortunate and too, too, shockers from the keeper. But um, it it did seem like we were in control, and it uh, it's it's disappointing the way the match turned out. Um, there's at half time. I mean, you lads will know better than us, but half time it was like delirium, wasn't it? We were safe. I, I was I was convinced that was us winning the game, and we were safe. <coughs> if you remember rightly, I called it midweek on the um previous show. I said two 0 well, I said two two. <laughs> so if one of us called it rightly, <laughs> it would be me. But um, yeah, like that that first half. Regardless, no, regardless of whether you think the girls were lucky or not, that was like whatever you want to call it. That was Rafa ball. They just couldn't lay a glove on her. Mm-hmm. The the tried to go down the middle. Diame 
was in, was he didn't have his best game on the ball. He gave the ball away a couple of times quite poorly, actually. But the amount of tackles he won from the wrong side or the amount of times he broke up play in front of the back two. And then if they did get past him, the back two, um, Lejeune and Lascelles, were just so imperious that it was like almost it was almost like a training session at times. Where it was like, go on, lads, come on, do your worst. Next time, eh? Next time, come back better. And, and we recycled possession. We used it really well. We made great progress into their half of the pitch. And I've seen on social media since, Perez has picked up a bit of criticism. First half, I was excellent. I thought first half, he carried the ball so well, used the ball so well. But that's why that's why he gets picked. And I know, I know you're saying the goals are lucky and you've seen them, but at the time, and obviously the at the time, if you want to give Matt Ritchie and Perez time and space to cross oh, the yeah, ball with no one in front of them, I don't think that's unlucky. I think, yeah, there was some... The, Bournemouth definitely will view them as poor goals, but Dummett's ball for the second goal is brilliant. The, the yeah. keeper doesn't know whether to come. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. defenders don't know what to do. That's that's just good play on our part. That's quality when it mattered. And, and Dwight Gale was excellent in the first half. So what what a performance it was. And it's, you know, before we get into any perceived negatives or any actual negatives, it's like, I'm just really pleased that the team... I think Bolland called it again yesterday. Um, we continued where we left off mm-hmm. against Man United. We were more intense than them. We were quicker to second balls than them. They were committing a lot of fouls. We weren't, we weren't particularly doing a lot around their, their box, but we were certainly giving them a lot of defensive questions to think about. And it was such a positive away performance in the Premier League. And I, I did some stuff for BT Sport yesterday. So did Norman and I'll... I don't believe they played the video, or hope I didn't at half-time when I said this is going to be five or six. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see Bournemouth getting back into this at all. And um, it should have been five or six. Yeah. It should have been, but... Yeah, it could, it could have, that, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you, it, it did seem like it was a game of 80 minutes and then a, a completely separate 10-minute game. I mean, the, the, the ball, Shelby was, looked like he was playing well. I mean, the ball for Richie for that first goal and then, and then the ball from Richie is, is brilliant. I mean, you're right. I, the, the reason I say it's bad from the keeper is because because he's dropped two and one's gone the second one's gone straight through him but yeah. it's it's still good play from Newcastle to put them under that pressure and, and get in those positions and um and, and again the, the other two chances we've, we've missed uh, that will go on like we, we looked like we're, we're, the plan was working I mean that that's what we were planning for second half turn it up they're, they're going to have to come on to it you, you can tell that that's what the game plan was and that's why he's brought Atu on to, to stretch the game and hit them on the counter and, and it should have worked we've, we've just caught well, it up the last yeah, I mean, in terms of hitting on the counter, but before before we move on to the second half, I just thought it was such a... It was not the performance in the first half and most of the second half for a team that would be relegated. We've all seen teams that... Newcastle teams that have been relegated in recent history and even though those teams have had good games in those seasons, none of them have performed like that. You know what, I'll give you an, an explicit example. Newcastle won 3-0 at Portsmouth under joke in the air and Portsmouth were the better side. Mm-hmm. And we won 3-0 and we scored two late goals but Portsmouth should have won the game. That was a better performance yesterday than at Portsmouth, who stayed up that season just. Um, and, and, and Bournemouth were a good side and, and, and aren't pro- probably aren't going to be relegated. I mean, they only probably need five or six points in the last 10 games, 11 games, whatever we've got left. But um, really positive in the first half and defensively, it was just an absolute joy to watch. And not everyone likes that. Not everyone likes seeing Newcastle be defensive and hard to break down. But that, that, that was just Newcastle United under Rafa Benitez yesterday, first half. Um, second half, Norman... A different story. Um, well, at what points? I mean, let's let's talk about the two misses. I actually think it's three, and I've I've not seen any real highlights. I haven't had time. I only got back three o'clock ish, and it's half past four now. I haven't had time to watch any or take any punditry or match of the day or anything like that. But I thought um, there was a time before the two chances where Perez had loads of time and place and played in Gale, and he played a ball that bounced, 
and their big centre back managed to get in front of Gill. He should have he should have been through. It was it should have yeah, been one on one. So that was the first one. So I think we had three brilliant chances to score. Norman, live, how bad did they look? How, how bad did we look in the second half? The chances the chances were missed. Oh, the chat. Oh, live. They looked. I mean, they looked absolutely shocking, didn't they? Um, hey, now obviously now I've looked back at them on on TV. Um, Perez just kind of gets his foot like under the ball instead of through it. You know what I mean? Um, and then Shelby's again. Aki, like, Aki did it incredibly well. So, oh, it's hard to say they weren't. Yeah, now they weren't as, as clear, like as kind of clear cut as it looked at him live. I mean, live it just looked like they'd missed tapping a ballon. I mean, don't get me wrong. Both of them should have scored, and you know that you can't take away the fact that the bank that were absolutely terrible misses. But yeah, um, they looked a hell of a lot worse in the stadium. Um, just devastating because you know you know that, that third one's in, and that is it. It is game, absolute game over. But they really, um, they really seem to take heart from the from the Shelby miss. Like their players, it was almost like they it gave them like a real kind of fillip. You know, like sometimes like they, even just like a tuna down, you you win a corner. And like all of a sudden, yeah, your players start feeling a bit of belief, and they can kind of pick up on the, on maybe the nerves hitting the other team, and that's that's what happened. Ner- nerves, like as, when when we missed those two chances, especially the the Shelby one, the nerves started kicking in with the players. I think, um, and obviously again, Smith did um, make a huge difference when he came on, and uh, Defoe came on, and and Howard made like a note, which I think I think Defoe handed to Smith, and um, obviously that that tactical change it, it worked a treat because. For 25 minutes, we the last 25 minutes, we have to be honest, you know, I mean, we, we weren't in the game, really, other, other than the chances, you know, which some staff, but we weren't, they had, they really kind of went for it, which I suppose you can expect for a team that's 2-0 down at home. We asked for some yeah. listener questions here, and um, quite a few of them revolve around the midfield, and Shelby and number 10, so we've got Mick Martin asked, are we getting enough from our midfield, and uh, Donny Zero Sully says, has too much pressure been put on Shelby to perform this season consistently? And then someone's asked, were, I believe, yes, Simon Daniel Smith's asked were to look at the analysis of Shelby. So we'll talk about him now with the lads who have seen the highlights and stuff like that, because I haven't seen it. But first of all, Shelby ran that game yesterday. It was one of his best performances in a, in a string of recent good performances. The goal, the ball for the goal, the first goal, get a lot of praise. And it was a brilliant ball in between the centre-back and the full-back. Um, but in general, him and Diarmi, again, it just worked yesterday. Maybe it didn't work as well as it did against Manchester United, but in terms of playing the ball, keeping possession, making Bournemouth work, he had a really, really good game. Now, obviously, I've not seen the highlights, Ben. Mm-hmm. Go on then. Was, it, was John Joe Shelby to blame for us not winning this game, aside from the miss? I think they've, 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 they've sort of hung him out to dry a little bit. I mean, the the analysis they gave of it to the set it was sort of the good and the bad and they showed you the, the positives and there was a lot of good in obviously the early part of the game um, what they then showed was for the, the, the two goals where basically he's just fallen asleep and, and they said it's it's a concentration thing whereby he's, he's let so I think he's let um, I think two players run past him for the first goal and one of them Smith and he doesn't react and he just le- sort of leaves it to the rest of the players and obviously Smith I mean to be fair like Smith pulled that out of the bag I don't know where like where that's coming from. It was from. a weird one. It's almost it's, like he wasn't really aiming the shot anywhere. Yeah, He's it, hit it on the half volley and, and it's, it's just clipped under the bar. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's an odd one, but and nothing the keeper could do about that. And yes, it's it's frustrating because that's I mean that's sort of one thing I've said about our team a few times is that the sort of I, I feel like we need more out of the attacking players to to work harder on the defensive side. And Perez does a he puts a big big shift in, but then he there'll be moments in games where he he seems to sort of drop off. And yes, it's hard to do it for ninety minutes, but at least try it, like show like you try and put the effort in. I think 
that that's what it was from Shelby. It was sort of you you could it felt like he he felt like he'd done his shift and and sort of it was wasn't his his sort of um area of the game anymore. And it's up to the defenders to sort of do that bit. The second one's bad because he he does switch off. He lets his man run in at the middle and and he he ends up like sort of nowhere near the the, the play. And you think what's he doing out there? Having said that, there was enough players in the box, especially for the second one. There's enough players back there to that we should stop it. How Dan Goslin gets a free tap in with with literally nine players in the box from us. Seven yards from goal as well. It's just it 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 just was players panic. It was it was panic, and um, Norman mentioned it there about the nerves. It was panic. I mean, there's there's about five players run to the ball because it comes over to the back post for the second goal. And that nobody's thinking, shit, where's my man? I need him. Like, nobody stops and, and has a look round and just t- takes that one second to sort of survey the, the, the actual danger in the box. Everyone just runs to the ball and, and leaves two, two players basically marked, marked by one in the middle. And that, that was the frustrating. And I think that's, that's the sort of the characters in the, in the team. And obviously, we're, we're inexperienced. We, we, don't, we don't have anybody that's a leader that's saying, Sort of took the. It just looked like a lack of communication. So I think they can they can pin, pull um the the sort of the video analysis out for Shelby and blame him for it. But we had enough people back there to, to do that job, and it's one of those things. It's frustrating, but um, what what can you do? <laughs> can I jump in there? Sorry, lads. Just to say, um, Tad, what you said. They've been quickly like having a look back at the goal, like the space that um Cook is in in order to put the ball into Gosling. I like, put the ball back in. Is it Cook or putting it to Smith or? Is it for the second goal? Because basically, one of the goals, Cook is just in, like, he's in the 18-yard box, mm-hmm. and, but it's almost like there's no one around him for about six or seven yards. It's huge, and that is absolutely just, like, concentration that's completely lacking because the players are, are shitting themselves, basically. Yeah, it's, it was just lack, lack of composure, and I think it's that you, again, just to repeat what you said before, it was the, the nervousness of that, of, of the team at that stage, and obviously all the pressure's coming onto them, and... We don't have the out ball anymore because of the, the substitutes, obviously, that have come on. It was very much, we, we, that was how we were setting up and we knew how that was the game was going to go and we just didn't, we're, for, for some reason, we just couldn't handle it. Um, it's, it's just frustrating. It's one of those things, but we'll, we'll learn from this experience and hopefully um, the, the players will, will, uh, will sort of learn, learn from, from those mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I may as well get into the, the substitutions now. In one of the one of the clear things in the second half that was different to the first half was Steve Cook had been told to basically play as a right winger, particularly when we see the possession. And that, you know, so let's talk about substitute number one, Asufa Kennedy, and Rafa's being accused of making overly defensive Cubs Cubs subs. That is a very positive substitution for me. Number one, Kennedy done a poor game. I think that's maybe a bit harsh, an average game. It was a bit like he was against Man United. He won some free kicks, which was good. He threatened but he didn't really get on the ball I think I think he's been identified by the opposition as a threat uh, you know so, so they're willing to put extra men in him and, and that's something that he has to react to Every anyone would at this level but Atsu for Kendi for me was an attacking substitution and it because Atsu is more attacking than Kennedy Kennedy plays left back for Chelsea better defensively and it worked that substitution worked in terms of the fact that Atsu created that chance um, he, got, he got in behind a couple of times actually just on that on that point I think Norman said about the Shelby, the, the Shelby chance before. I, th- I think Atsu's 
too slow to give the ball to Shelby. Right. He, he has so long. And I think it's one of those things, and it's, it's a criticism we've, we've, we've always had of Atte on, on the show, is that he's, he's sort of decision-making and, and his quality in the final third isn't, isn't always there. And again, he, he took far too long. He had so much time to, to play the ball to Shelby. I think he, he wasn't sure when he needed to play it. And if he plays it, and sort of he has so much time to play it at any point and nobody's getting back to Shelby. He holds and holds sort of commits and it's one of those do you try and commit the defender or not the defender does well I suppose to, to not fully commit until the end but but he, he, he gives Aki the chance to get back and if, if Atu plays that ball and it's, it's a simple enough ball sort of in any any moments earlier it's a much easier chance for Shelby to just slot it in but but he, he delays delays and, and it allows them back and Shelby should still score don't get us wrong I mean it's a terror He's, he just put his foot through it and it was such a over just uh, he lost his head and such a lacking in composed finish. It was it was bad from Shelby, but Atsu could have made it a lot easier for him. Yeah, I mean live it looked like Atsu didn't know whether to stick or twist when he was yeah. initially played through. I think he thought he was going to go through and go and have a yeah. shot, and it wasn't until he possibly heard the away and lost Shelby screaming <laughs> in the space he was in, and then he kind of has that one second moment where he the ball kind of gets lost under his feet a little bit, and and what happened happened. But back to the sub, so I've got no issue to that sub at all. Mankio for Richie on about 85 minutes. Richie, I don't know whether how well this has been picked up. He'd been booked for descent, which is the Mark Richie of last Shock. season. I know. <laughs> Frustrating, but also when he plays his best football, he gets booked for descent, so <laughs> take it whatever way you want. Um, and he committed a couple of fouls, I think, and and he, he put a lot in and he played really well. And I think it was just one of those subs where we weren't doing anything from an attacking sense of uh, view at this, at this point in 85 minutes. It was clearly we're going to have to hold on. The argument about maybe bringing Jacob Murphy on or not bringing Murphy on and, and, and keeping Richie on, I just think Mankio, who, who does have ability going forward to play in front of Yedlin, is, I'm fine with that substitution. I don't see it as only defensive, I think. The, we're going to have to do defending from down that side. and you know Mankio didn't do particularly brilliantly when he came on, but that's just what happens in football. Mm. I don't have a massive issue with that, so I don't think it's overly defensive. I think taking off a booked winger who's put everything in... Um, for you know, for another defensive minded player, when you're trying to hold on to a, to a lead, is a is a good shout. Um, the the one the one thing I want to criticise slightly is is the um, the Hayden for Gale. Uh, I understand taking Gale off. He's he Gale ran himself into the ground because he's brilliant and he's good like that. Um, oh, was he missed then? This we're watching the cup final. That's some miss from our bang end. But anyway, um, yeah, I would much rather seen Hoslu come on there. I'd have much rather seen Hoslow come on. And what he's obviously done, he's dropped Hayden back in midfield three um, and he's left Perez there up front by himself. Hoslow would have been able to maybe win some free kicks. And that's the, it's not about Perez's lack of pace. It's not about his lack of strength. It's his lack of ability to, to even contest the balls and win free kicks and drag the whole team 50 yards forwards and, and, and waste an extra minute and 90 seconds. We just didn't have that. So I don't think that was a good free kick. It was actually Charlotte who made the point yesterday, I think, on the, um, the Match Day podcast for Patreon subscribers, which was... Um, Hayden came on against Palace and was didn't affect the game at all there and that was a strange one so yeah I'm not I'm really not sure about that so but you know Benitez said this at the recent talking that more than ever before because of the stakes he analyses his own decisions and he realizes that every decision he makes and every sub sub he makes isn't perfect and it isn't right I think this kind of goes into a, a, a longer debate Mickey about seeing out games and losing points from winning positions. Now, two points dropped against Palace. This is, if you view it this way, I don't, yeah. but this is the argument. Two points dropped against Palace, Burnley. two points dropped against Burnley, and there's there's your six points right there. Um, You know, Craig Richardson asks, are we strong enough defensively to try and see out games? 
And I'll also chuck in Miles Lambert's question, we're competitive in every game, yet other teams around us look more capable of winning games. Does that mean we're in more danger than we realise? Um, it's, it's a difficult set of questions you give us there. Um, I think we've, we've now been ahead and, and not won in seven games this season, which there's no argument about it. It's a pattern and it's... Um, I'd argue, though, that the Chelsea Man U games are just an anomaly, so take it down to five. Yeah. <laughs> five's still too many, though, isn't it, really? Um, and... It, it, it's hard because you would say our defensive performances and our defensive ability is good and that's 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 what we've based the team on and and it's excellent but then you think about it in the context of those five games and how how critical those 10, 10 points maybe more would be over the course of the season um, we'd be safe by now if, we, if we'd won all those games um, and obviously that's unrealistic but just yeah, so I, think, I think you would have to say the stats of the other teams around us as well because it's just it's it's not so much us and Benitez in my opinion. It's more just what teams in opposition do, the throwaway leads. Yeah. yeah. Rather than us being the app I mean maybe maybe they are we should have checked into it, but I've just got back from Bournemouth right now. Like it maybe maybe it is a Newcastle United thing, but I don't think so. It's not. It, it's it's absolutely not. But we're looking at Newcastle United, aren't we? So that's that's the way you've got to frame the, the argument. Um are we in more danger than we think? I I don't agree with that. Um the the question has got a valid point and and you look at teams like Bournemouth and you kind of think that they they have got more results that maybe they didn't quite deserve where Newcastle haven't. Um, have Bournemouth have taken four season. points of us, haven't they? They deserve none. Yeah. yeah. Argue. Um, oh, but yeah, are we in more danger? No, I don't think so. I think we're. I think putting that point on the board is important. And four points this week, it's good. I think we're. I think we're. All right. That was going to be your next question, Mickey. It's um, you know, good point or not? Where do you stand? Well, he, the the reaction of some people on social media has been absolutely crazy to this. Um, obviously, everyone's disappointed about losing a 2-0 lead, but we've got four points in the last two games at home to Man United and away at Bournemouth. That's a good return. That's that's a good return for a decent side. Um, Bournemouth haven't lost at home since since December, I think that was against Liverpool, who battered them, obviously. Um, so if you, if you think about the point in the, a point in that game is good, that's what everyone going in would have said would have been a good result. It's only it's only viewed differently now because in, we're two goals out. I think that that that's the thing as well. We we've, we've said it's important to keep this the, the momentum going. I mean, we we spoke about it uh, after the Man U game that there's there's only City I think that have that have beaten with recently. We've, we've picked up a lot of points and you you can view some of those. You've you mentioned the Berlin Palace ones there as points drop, but realistically going into those games, you wouldn't have seen them as 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 sort of games that we should be winning necessarily. I mean, the Burnley one maybe different but away to Palace and away to Bournemouth there's nobody realistically thought that we would go and win those games games comfortably no, that that was, today was Palace's first home defeat since August or, yeah. seven, or September um, and it's it's one of those things I think where yes obviously the, the position we're in that that's that's the problem is is that we're 2-0 up and we're looking comfortable and we're playing well and, and especially after the Man U result when we've we're held on and we're held our own against them and it's frustrating but we've got to see every point is a positive at this stage and you've just got to keep accumulating them. Look at the other results, taking into context of that, it was key that we picked something up. Um, so I think it's a good point. Mickey, as well, you said that. Norman, I'm going to guess you, you agree with the same thing that it's a positive point, not not two points lost. Uh, I mean, it, it has to be. I have to, I have to view it as a positive point because... I always just go back to what what would I've taken before before kick off. Would we've taken a draw? Yes. Certain circumstances that you know we ended up getting the point in. 
they're, they're, they're obviously upsetting thing. Um, just the, the losing the two of our leaders is huge upsetting. But you know, we we were we at West Brom, we were two down. We came back to twos each. It's one of those things that you just think, well, yeah. it's it's gonna it's gonna happen to you. At times you're you're gonna come back from a couple of goals doing another team will. Um, and it was more turned to be on the receiving end of it yesterday. And that, that's really really hard to take. But um, as I said, in a, in a couple of weeks' time, um, try I me mean, maybe take the Liverpool game out of the equation. But um, if we you know, we beat Southampton at home, then it's, this is a really, really good point. Um, if, if we get the, if we get the three points against Southampton, I mean, I, I know it's a big if, but um, our position at the moment in the table and with our remaining fixtures, you know, I think there's probably teams doing their like, you know, Palace, Swansea, West Brom, certainly Stoke. They would all swap. You know what we've got uh, and probably who we're playing. We've got it, it is in our own hands with like Huddersfield, Southampton, and West Brom at home. I'm not, I'm not making assumptions that we're going to win these games at all. But you know we are in a in a good position to um to get the points required to to stay up. So so I it's it's it is it's a it's a good point. Sorry, go. No, well I mean I was going to say kind of echo a little bit what Norman said, but yeah, time will tell. I think it's a good point right now. And as I said, take me before the end. Time will tell us if it's a good point. Southampton have got Stoke next weekend. That's a massive game. They play each other. You kind of part of me thinks before we move on to it, Ben, about looking at the rest of the league. Part of me thinks that the three that are in there now, Swansea, Swansea, Stoke and West, West Brom. Brom, could be the ones to go. Now, Swansea have got a lot of fixtures against teams around them, yeah. but if, they get, if they're going to get beat 4-1 in them... Yeah, I mean, that, I think that we, for, um, we we spoke about it on the review last week and, and I had my three to go down. I actually think Stoke might get out of it, just because I think... and. To be fair, they, they they played well against Leicester yesterday. I don't know if you got to see no, any of that game. They, I mean, they got a bit of luck and there was a couple of chances, but they they could easily be turning up in that game. Shakiri misses a, an open goal. I mean, it's from forty yards out, but he, uh-huh. he could he has a chance to go go two up there. Um, and they've 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 got goals. They've got some quality players. I mean, Shakiri, we'd we'd kill for to have a player like that uh, sort of in our in, Pro- problem in our team. Problem for Stuart is I'm looking at the next six games. They're away at Southampton. Mm-hmm. They're at home to Evan. That's not too I bad. Mean, the, the but then they've got, they've got Spurs, City, Arsenal and, and and West Ham away. For a team that's won one away game all season, mm-hmm. you're thinking... I mean, they're, they're finished with Palace and Swansea, but... And Burnley. Burnley are in, in trouble. I mean, yeah. there's, there's games there that I think they... They they just are a team that just they've they've got goals in them. I think is is what some of the other teams lack. I mean, so we we're talking about Swansea there. I don't really see where Swansea are, are getting out of it, and I think they're in real trouble because um they they just as you say going get humped off um Brighton. off off Brighton four four one was such a bad result um and they just they've 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 sort of they were they were gone and buried and everyone had sort of said they were cut adrift. Um, until Carvajal came in and, and pulled out a couple of miracle results, but they're still down there. They've they've had that lift, yeah. and they're still in in the shit basically. Um, so I I just think they've sort of had their their moment to get out, and they didn't get their heads above the sand, and now they're they're, they're going to start to drop back in. And um, you're right, they've got a lot of games there where they they're against the teams around them. But the the, the problem with that is, is as you say, if they get if they're losing those games, and it's given given more. Um, sort of distance between between them and, and the teams are playing, and there's a lot for them to play for. But I, I just don't think they've got the quality. Um, I mean, they're going away at Huddersfield. Huddersfield will take confidence from that. They'll see that game as a as a an opportunity to, to at it, home as well to to kick on and, and sort of bury bury by uh, Swansea. I think. And it's it's like we're, we're talking about other fans and how they feel, and everyone you know every. Trinity Mirror publication or every local paper will have the the predictor 
that we've all done. <laughs> And you know, like you know what Newcastle fans are like. Some of them have who have them were finishing sixth. I win in every game. Still, and now we've got from, finishing from this bottom. position. Yeah, um, but you know, you know, if you look at other fans, with Swansea fans, oh Newcastle, they've got Palace away, they've got Man United at home, they've got Bournemouth away. Fucking no points here. Here we go, five points. Yeah, you know, like and it's like, and I know, I know fans will take half from the fact we were tuning up yesterday, but it is like when you look at the Premier League table. I mean, we we were talking before about Palace. Palace, by the way, fuck it. They've got Man United I've, at home. They've got uh, City away, and they've got um, Arsenal. I think Arsenal away in the next in the next four games. And they've just lost to Spurs. And today. they've just lost to Spurs, and they've got no players. The best player might not be. I mean, he might be back for the Spurs game. The uh, the Arsenal game, but you know, if you're Palace, you're thinking. You know, Newcastle, Bournemouth, they get beat there. Bournemouth on a great run. I know Eddie Howe's manager of the month. I know they had a bad result, but they're really good at home, and they've got a point. So. We don't need as a fan base. We can't get regardless of whether you think Raf is too, Raf is too negative. Regardless of whether you think it's a bad point. Regardless of you think it's unacceptable to lose a two goal lead in the last ten minutes, which is some of the language I've seen used. It doesn't matter until the end of the season. You know, people who want to be furious or be abusive, or even if you just hold that opinion, which there is nothing wrong with, and it could be quite valid. Um, it's kind of pointless getting annoyed now or getting frustrated now because we need to stay up, and it's it's all in our hands. And we we like Norman said. Yeah, maybe we won't beat Southampton at home. It's a hard game. Maybe we'll not get through uh, as easily as we'd like to against West Brom and Huddersfield. But we'll probably only need to win two games. We'll probably and we're capable. We're capable of going to Leicester and winning. We're capable of going to Everton and winning. We'll be. I'll be going to both games. That, we're capable of going to Watford and winning. And that's before the three home yeah. games. And you know what? Next week at Liverpool, Bottom was telling me that Liverpool are going to have their way with where we'll. I'd like. I remember when Liverpool came to us. It's St James's Park and the Fab Four playing for the first time ever, and it was going to be six. People were saying on Twitter they'd be happy if we kept it below three, <laughs> and we drew ones each. So, it, um, and we went there last year. I mean, we, we yeah, uh, yeah, we did we, two we seasons went, ago, yeah, two, yeah, and, and two 0 down in that game, and with with a worse team than we've, well, a worse sort of spirit than than we've got in this team, and sort of less uh, you you would say sort of weaker characters, and and we, we came back from two 0 down and, and and got a two two two. Uh, Sort of commendable draw at that. So every game's that playing. Yes, obviously that that's a, it's going to be a tough game. But the way we're playing, we've we've not really taken any batterings to or, or too many anyway this season. I just don't see the way this team's fighting and they're playing. I I don't see them, um, sort of wilt, wilting over in any games. And, and we're going to be in at all of these games to play. You you've mentioned a few there. The, the Everton. I mean Everton don't look any, um, sort of don't don't look too too brilliant. I mean obviously they're. They're, they're probably safe, but they're, well, they're not. They're not going to be blowing any. They're not going to be Norman, blowing anyone out of the water. Out of the water. No, Norman they? still has hopes, don't you, Norman, for a, an Everton relegation? I mean, they've got thirty-four <laughs> points with ten games to go. Like, but I, I messaged there. Uh, I messaged you this morning, didn't I? It was like a, a real hopeful punt. Um, by the way, <laughs> Everton's still on over this yet, and then obviously you, being pragmatic about it, said, "Well, yeah, but the home form is good enough." And then he basically two more wins, which which we'll get. But one obviously, more, right, one, um, yeah, it's I, like Allardyce is such that. You know, it is a bit of wishful thinking. Although, um, you know, nothing, nothing against Everton at all. Just purely analysis. Um, actually, to add to the point, I've mentioned this before about rivals. Then you make a good point about Stoke in terms of the playing personnel. They have, they have got like they have got players and they've got a couple of match winners in there. Like you see, Shakiri, Chu, and Moting. Like these are these are players who can. Crouchy can still do it. But <laughs> and I've said this probably. This is probably like the fiftieth time I've said this now because I still can't get my head around it. Uh, Paul Lambert is utterly uninspiring as a manager. Like he's, they're going to struggle because I just genuinely don't think that um, Lambert's got the um, the managerial abilities to keep them up. Um, again, I may be being hopeful, but I, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised at this stage, you know, to see Stoke stay up, especially now that you know, like 
I mean, if we go in January and buy like three or four players, it's yeah, they're stuck with what they've got, and I think um, I think Stoke and West Brom for me are for me are gone. I hope you're right. Just to bring it back onto something really positive rather than talking about shite football teams. Um, <laughs> Dubravka again yesterday showed that it wasn't a one-off. He was absolutely brilliant and ignoring the saves he made in the times he came off his line and claimed the ball brilliantly. He just he just barks at the lads. He's not their mate during the game. Like He's, he's hugely offended if they allow a shot on goal. Like Hugely <laughs> offended by that's it. That's what they should be like, though. It's, and that's what... That, you know, and he... He comes out screaming at them and shouting at them and telling them off and no like pats on the back for doing well. It was like, no, no you shouldn't have fucking let me in the first place. <laughs> yeah. and he's the kind of player I can imagine, a young like player from the under-18s or something, training with the first team. And even though I'm sure he's a sound bloke, not wanting to play in front of him because he takes football so seriously. And <laughs> that's what we didn't have from the other two keepers who've both got their, their positives. Um, but the two, two nice lads. But yeah, they're, 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 I've, never, I've never seen anyone like sprint off the line in the first half I mean Bournemouth had a shot that nearly went on the ground and he sprinted the 18 yard box to shout at whoever it was that had let him get the shot off mm. and it's just like yeah that's, that's that ruthless nature that this team lacks and you know what they, we're the youngest team in the league and maybe they need someone like that to be fucking hoying it up them like when they do stuff like that um, and that, it, that comes back to the sort of the what the point I was making before about you don't rest on your laurels. Yes, the, the attack, every player one to eleven has got a job to play, and they've all got to work hard. and And it's it's just that positive sort of that in, in reinforcement to, to keep going. Someone's bollocking you, and it, like we we know when we play five aside, yeah, you, you you need your keeper to be barking those instructions defensively. They they are the ones that can see what's going on, and 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 you need that encouragement and that sort of kick up the arse to, to keep going. And and it's good that we've got that now, and I think that that'll be a big hopefully play a big part. Yeah. Finally, just to go through a couple more listener questions, we really appreciate these listener questions uh, at, at TF Weekly Pod. Um, you know, one uh, here from at Out of Hand 32. Do we have better uh, option number 10 than Perez? Probably not. I thought he did all right yesterday. Second half, he wasn't great, but first half, he was very good. Much like the team, much like the rest of his colleagues. Um, I think that what we talked about in the three quarter review is stats. The stats for when Perez plays are much better. We don't get beat anywhere near as often. Um, than we do when he doesn't play. I think he hasn't started seven games and we've we've lost five of them or something like that. I think he's a, it's it's a frustrating one because you think of the number ten position as it should be the the creator of the team. It should be um the sort of the you you look at every other team in the league, but basically their number ten is is pretty much their sort of creative spark in the team. That's not Perez, what Perez does. He he's like a workhorse, and I, I think he is the best option because as you say, he works hard and. Yes, he he has some some poor games and his his lack of consistency is, is what stopped him from sort of progressing any further in the game. I think it's that that that's his issue. He has some quality and then he goes and misses a the chance like he did the other day and that was his sort of moment of the game to shine and and unfortunately he he, he sort of wilted. But I, I do think he gives us we'll have a better shape of the team defensively when he's in because he does a lot of lot of donkey work and. I just think the the players that they know what they're getting with him. Whereas, who, who the other options we've got? I mean, you, okay, you could say maybe try Murphy in there, but he's he's in unknown quantities. He's again he's inconsistent, and you wouldn't have the trust in him to do the the, the donkey work. Um, Richie's been is is played there once, I think, and it's one that people have talked about. But then you lose what what he gives you on the wing and and sort of the the um the sort of partnership he's got with with Yedlin. Um, you would lose all that. I just think Perez gives gives you um at the minute, gives it makes us more solid and, and that's why I think we should stick with them. We don't have anyone else that actually plays number ten. We would be shoehorning someone in that's a winger. Mm-hmm. 
um, or a striker. So, I, I mean, I I made said my bit about Perez on the uh, on the review last time. I think he's he's good for the side and the the defensive part of his game is useful. So no, I don't think there is a better option. And I th- I think it's it's one that you will definitely hope to to improve in the future. But for what we've got at the minute, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose even Marino came came on, um, and and played that role as well. You, I just don't have the trust in him that I do with Perez to, to be chasing people as, as much as he does. There's a blast from the past, Michael Marino. <laughs> he dropped off the face of the earth, hasn't he? In terms of a selection point in Newcastle. Um, was he on the bench? Yeah. Probably. Um, yeah, but, you know, maybe I really I really liked Gale and Hosslow at West Ham away, um, but that might have been specific to West Ham, so who knows? And I mean, I think we could see Gale in at number 10 if Slomani plays. Yeah, that, that's what we're hoping for, but Simone just looks like he's not going to play for him. Yeah. It's just one of them things, isn't it? And it's Newcastle fans, are, some Newcastle fans are so weird with their obsession about value. It's like they've been raised, born and bred under Mike Ashley and Lambias and Charlie. Like, they probably have, to be fair. <laughs> but, but it's like, who gives a fuck if, if Slimani's a waste of money? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who gives a fuck? That's normal, that not every transfer works. Who gives a toss if Jesus Gammers? has been a flop at two million quid it's yeah. not our money like <laughs> it's good do you know what I mean it's good to have players in your first team squad that aren't mint I know that sounds counterproductive but a normal football team will have players that can't get on the like senior players yeah, yeah. that can't get on the bench because there are better options ahead of them we're so conditioned or Sunny Castle fans are so conditioned to be like right we've only got 17 fit first team players here and they're all, they're all involved and they're all it's like Jacob Murphy and I, I get it a little bit more Jacob Murphy because obviously he played very well in spells people are getting upset that Jacob Murphy's not involved more well Richie's in the form of the season Kennedy's been a revelation why would Jacob Murphy be involved out of those two players and people are like well they cost 12 million quid well good it's good that we'll have a player who costs 12 million quid when the team is playing well and yeah no, we maybe could have turned a couple of draws into wins that he's not involved. That's a good thing. That means the players playing in those positions are doing well. Just and people are going. Slomani will cost with this much per game and this. Much, and it's like so what? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's the, the the figures you're quoting are still fuck all. He's not Michael Owen. If he, if he ends up costing with four million quid and not kick a ball and we still say it's like literally so what? It it serves the people that run the club right for running the club like that and behaving like that. I think we're just about done for a day show because I'm getting off on a tangent there. <laughs> Thanks everyone who listened. We had 150 people almost sign up for the extra uh, content on Patreon. We really appreciate that. There's four extra shows last week. There'll be four extra shows this week. £1.25 per week. We hope it's worth it. All the money goes back into the podcast, uh, improving the quality. We've got a great show lined up week, uh, this week, which is Ben's conversation with Nick Ostabis, Ashley Castle legend, just for Patreon subscribers only. So, you know, we'll put the link on the, uh, on the podcast uh, on both social media outlets that we'll have, and we'll hope you subscribe if you like it. Ask us any questions. If you do, you can play the bonus shows through your usual podcast player. You get emailed an RSS feed. You can listen through the podcast app, um, all those kind of things, Podbean. So, lads, thanks for your time. I'm sure we'll beat Liverpool. It'll be fine. Um, and uh, no one will remember the draw with, uh, with Bournemouth. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.